Hello, and welcome to the NPRD podcast with nurse practitioner and registered dietitian Robin Kivit. Eating disorders, body image, medicine, they are all interconnected. But with so many programs, techniques, and advice to choose from, it's easy to be overwhelmed. Robin, with more than 25 years of experience as a nurse practitioner and registered dietitian, offers help and hope for everyone, families, children, and adults. Along with veteran talk show host and good friend, Jordan Rich, Robin invites you to learn much more right here on the NPRD podcast. Hi there, welcome to the NPRD. This is June 2023, and we are very honored to have Kate Sweeney. Welcome, Kate. Hi there. Thank you. Yeah, Kate is coming to us from Germany. She is a clinician, a master's level dietitian with 10 years of experience in the eating disorder field. She's from this area, the Massachusetts area, but is in Germany at this time. We're going to talk about that. Kate provides nutrition therapy, meal support, and group support to clients in the U.S. and Europe. She loves working with college students, clients with OCD, and running groups, which are informed by past experiences as the administrative dietitian for Boston College and consulting dietitian at Tufts University. And I can attest this part of your bio, Kate, you are passionate about eating disorder prevention and developing tools for organizations to change the narrative around weight and health. Kate graduated from the Friedman School of Nutrition Science and Policy with a master's in nutrition communications and has a bachelor's of science in bio from Tufts. So welcome, welcome. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, I like to tell people how we met. And one of the ways we connected more, much more in depth than just knowing who each other is or are in the field was we did a presentation together for the Meta Conference, the Multi-Service Eating Disorder Association. That was in spring of 2022. And like today, I was presenting on a screen. You were present, actually, because I had a major life conflict. Um, But we did it. And we had one other clinician with us. And it was a lot of fun. And we spent a lot of time worked really hard. We worked really hard on that and spent, you know, I think, countless uh, hours doing the PowerPoint and talking about what we wanted to make sure. You're much more tech savvy. So uh, (laughs) that's helpful. So happy to have you because you're doing something completely innovative. You've moved across the ocean. Um, mm-hmm. You're in Europe, you're in Germany, and you're building mm-hmm. something awesome and, you know, have a group going that is really, I think, a great, it fills a, a niche, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So not to put you on the spot, but love to hear how you're doing over there and take it away. Again, it's really lovely to be here. I appreciate talking with you. I always enjoy it. Uh, I am in Germany, as you mentioned. We live in southwest Germany, about two hours west of Munich, kind of in between France and Switzerland, um, in that corner of Germany. And my husband and I had always thought about coming to Europe, uh, living here. We had explored some other countries. However, I wasn't going to be able to work um, because there are certain rules around being a nutrition professional, certainly in each country. Um, I remember talking about that with you prior, yeah. yeah. And a lot of them would require me learning a language from the ground up, and I 
I wasn't ready to bet my career on <laughs> my ability to learn a language to C2 level um, or B2 level rather. And Germany provided some opportunities for me to be a nutrition, what, what we call in Germany a nutrition scientist or Erinnerungswissenschaftlerin, which I'm still learning how to pronounce. So that was one word you put in here, like there was no way I was going to pronounce it. So yeah. what you did for us. Yeah. Yeah, ich lerne Deutsch, aber es ist nicht perfect. Um, but I'm really trying to learn German as much as possible. My goal is to be at B2 in the next few years. It's important for my clients that I understand German to some degree. Mm -hmm. The ones I'm seeing here now in Germany um, certainly will never be my emotional language, but it's a cultural and um, linguistic. It's a language that I should I should know. I'm living here. I want to be integrated. Um, so we just we settled on Germany because it was a place that I could work and my husband was able to get a job here. We have always kind of valued having a richness and experience in our life. Mm -hmm. And we also have a almost three-year-old daughter at this point and felt like this was a good time to take this challenge on, yeah. <laughs> which may or may not be true in the end, but we are how, enjoying How is she doing with the languages? Yeah, she knows more German at this point, I think, than I do. And yeah. for her age, she is now fluent um, for her age. You know, she's in Kita, Kripa every day. Mm -hmm. And so she's speaking German every day mm -hmm. uh, from eight to four. It's pretty amazing to see a child learn a new language at that mm -hmm. age. It wasn't something I've experienced before. You know, it certainly has come with challenges and also with opportunities. And I think the opportunities have been mainly around how we spend our time and how I spend my time. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm enjoying spending more time with my daughter and my yeah. husband. Um, but certainly every day is a is a challenge in that it's it's still unfamiliar to me. And I'm yeah. still learning, even though we've been here for almost a year. You know, certainly there would be periods of discomfort in my life in the U.S., but it's definitely a different experience living somewhere else where you're not, you know, used to the same norms and the same language. And so learning to set, sit with that discomfort is something I'm doing every day and I I think has helped me even relate to my clients more than I have, Absolutely. Um, you know, in the past or more recently in the past. And so that's bringing, you know, an orientation to the work that I think is helpful for um, how I provide services, both on the individual level or family level and the group group level. Um, so you've taken your your nutrition entrepreneurship from Massachusetts, from the hustle and bustle of living, right. you know, right outside Boston to Germany, and you are learning a language, like just tons of familial pieces, which I'm so glad you brought up your daughter and her learning the language. I love that. Just focusing on your professional life for, for mm -hmm. a moment, like you had a practice here, you, you, you're seeing clients in Germany and you have a group. And, and I really want to talk about that because mm -hmm. it's, it's a niche that's needed. And mm -hmm. you and I have seen it because we've both worked in college health, you know, from different yes. sides. So I had a practice in the U.S. and it was quite small. It was always something I did kind of on the side. And I've never been a full-time private practice dietitian or nutrition professional before. So this, so I decided to, foolishly or not, do it in a different country <laughs> where I don't speak the language. Way to be very I, gutsy. <laughs> yeah, I'm very resourceful. And um, I have some great people helping me in terms of like taxes and all of that business stuff. 
but I see an opportunity here for both myself, like professionally, I have always wanted to do private practice. And to be honest with you, I don't think I ever had the like guts to fully do it until I felt like um, I had the time. And now that I do, I feel like I can devote what I want to it because I want my clients to you know, benefit and provide them the best care. And I've always felt that way. Coming to Germany and starting this year, as difficult as it's been, has really fortified for me that this is the work I want to be doing in my career and in my life. That's huge. Yeah. For the first time, I mean, I love my work at BC. I love my work at the Brigham when I came out of my internship. I love my work at Tufts. I, lo- I love that all. I love the students. This has been really enjoyable for me in terms of being able to create, like you mentioned, the groups, like create the format for the groups fully mm-hmm. and have control over that and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, to just talk about the groups for a minute. Uh, Lots of minutes. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> at Boston College, I, uh, a therapist who, who's in private practice now in Brookline, Judith Lawrence and I, Dr. Judith Lawrence, she and I did a group at BC for students with bulimia and binge eating disorder for about three or four semesters. And we had a blast doing that group. You know, we we were able to um, really help students to reduce some of their behaviors, to gain insight into their behaviors and the way that their eating disorder was operating for them. And I think that the, the main thing, though, is really that eating disorders are relational. We mm-hmm. heal together. We I don't know one person who's been into, you know, gotten into recovery with entirely on their own. And so that opportunity to group with her really opened up just my own confidence about running groups themselves, learning from mm-hmm. her, learning how to measure outcomes. That's something I think is really important with doing groups. And I'll share a little bit more about that in a second with the group that we did in the spring here. But I learned through that experience how relational eating disorders are. I mean, I feel that way in my one-on-one counseling as well. Um, and how, and more so the power between the people in the group and the support and, and the understanding that they're not alone, that they matter, that they're worthy, that they gain that from a sense from being in the group. And I always think of Renee Brown and, and, you know, that idea of belonging versus fitting in, Mm. in a group that is supportive of your recovery process and that listens to you you feel like you belong. You can come as you are. You don't have to fit in. You don't have to do something to fit in to what the narrative or the norm of that group is. And I think all around us these days, we we tend to want to fit in more than not want to, but we tend to fall into that trap of trying to fit in. I think being seen, I use that language a lot, like being seen, you know, seeing the people you're with, really spending time looking at them, talking to them, making the eye contact, like Mm -hmm. we can't ever really walk in someone else's shoes, but we can be there with them. And I mean, I say this to my kids when they're upset, right? I'm right here with you. And and, and so a lot of clients and patients, you know, I'm right here with you. It's not in their experience, in their body, in their mind, but it's trying Mm -hmm. to be with them in those moments. I, I really appreciate what you're saying around that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Showing up for yourself or other people by just being there. Mm-hmm. That, that's enough sometimes. So doing that group and also doing the body project at BC, bringing that in. And like, as we know, that's one of the prevention programs that has been to be the sh- shown to be the most impactful. 
also knowing that from a prevention standpoint, again, not that this, you know, certainly people in group may have clinically diagnosable eating disorders already, if you want to call it that, but may already be struggling. Um, but just bringing in the protective factors we know about, like self-compassion and yeah. the certain language we use around food and body and things like that are, is helpful. So gaining kind of experience at BC, doing di- different types of groups uh, led me to this you know, idea that when I had a practice, I wanted to be doing a lot of groups. Mm-hmm. I find them really fun for me um, and and really exciting for me to create the material and think about, you know, the outcomes and, and think about what types of clients would be appropriate for what group and, and kind of put it all together. When we had first come to Germany and I was thinking about building my practice, I was laying in bed one day and I thought, I need to have a group for students who are studying abroad. Absolutely. Because when I was at BC, I would also hear a lot of clients who had eating disorders say to me things like, oh, well, when I go to Italy, I'll just like eat whatever I want and then I'll come back and like, I'll be better. Or I will like kind of magical thinking, which we all have kind of distortions, right? I mean, I had a client tell me, you know, like, well, I'll just leave my brain at home and my body will go (laughs) abroad and I'll just have fun. And then I'll like deal with my life again when I come back and I'll put my brain back in. you know, and knowing that like, that's not that realistic. Like we bring all of ourselves, our brains and our bodies come with us to everything. So I wanted to do a study abroad group. And what ended up happening was we did run the group in the spring, or I did. And they were all post-grads, like people who are living or Mm -hmm. studying um, post-graduation. I think that's just information for me, right? Like learning about how to do it next time. Maybe what's trying to get students already who are in college right now, certainly. But what I thought about when putting the group together was some partly the experience I'm having of like coming to a different place mm-hmm. and then having to learn the ropes in this place. Right. And then if I imagine having disordered eating going on as well, the challenges that come with that, like the desire to maybe like ramp down on the control piece, you know, and I don't know the language and how to get around, like, what can I control, you know, um, for example. So trying to use the abroad experience as an opportunity is what I was really thinking about when I thought about the group. We had a few members of the group in the spring and planning to run it again in the fall. And I really tried to um, use it as an opportunity, as I said. So for example, we, in one session, we might talk about, um, body image in the context of being abroad. So like, what did you learn certainly growing up and, you know, the norms in your own culture and society? And now what is it like where you are now around body image? Mm. What's similar? What's different? And that allows us to see that there are other options out there that not everywhere necessarily has the same messaging around body. Like one of my clients, for example, was in Germany where I am as well. And she was noticing, well, when I go to the pool or when I go to the beach, people are just like taking their clothes off and changing, like, you know, right in front. That's very true. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for her, that meant like a comfort level, like, and she, she was seeing all bodies doing that, you know, Less not body just shame, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So the message level. she got was like, oh, that's actually like, it's not something I have to necessarily hide if I don't want to. Um. So just exploring those together really helps, again, to generate that perspective and see that, like, 
things don't have to be the way that they are to our eating disorder all the time, mm -hmm. that there are other options. Um, another example would just be around food, you know, like how does the culture look at food? What are the foods that are popular? How are they eating the food? What mealtime is the biggest, you know, like in Germany, lunch is usually the biggest mealtime. Mm -hmm. And in France, it's dinner and it's usually later. And so there's, I'm just understanding, oh, there are different ways that I could approach eating in, in a healthy way that, that may align with the norm, may not, but it's not necessarily aligning with my disordered voice. And how, so how can I use this as an opportunity to like enjoy that French croissant or, you know, enjoy that larger lunch in, for my German host family mm -hmm. um, and just helping clients again, see that perspective outside of their eating disorder voice. Yeah. In your next group in the fall or in your subsequent groups, it's a question of, you know, who, who sends people and how they find you where they come from. Right. But yeah. would you want to have more undergrads? Would you want to have, because I think there's such a need for what you're doing, you know, for students who go abroad, who are in these challenges and really, you know, coming from working in college health, you know, mm -hmm. in it, like as you did, right. that we really didn't have many resources, you know, knowing that you are running this, it's a huge resource. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, I think more undergrads would be great, you know, um, and I, I think undergrad or recently graduated is just fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, and because again, different perspectives and experiences, I think what makes the group rich and what did is that, um, we came from different, we were in different countries. So we all brought like, you know, that I love too. I really yeah, love that. I experienced this today, you know, this mm -hmm. is, oh, that's so different from what I'm experiencing this week. And also though, we have, we share common challenges like, man, my user voice is really loud this week. You know, I couldn't call home and the job was, or like my class is really hard or yeah, like I'm not getting a, a, along with people in my cohort or whatever. So like, you know, also talking about what we share in common, learning from each other, different strategies. You know, I certainly provide some and my groups are pretty, well, I wouldn't say formal, formal, but this group particular, like each week we had a topic, we did some engaging on the topic. We, I use this five E's from the Mayo Clinic, which is mm -hmm. an evidence-based health coaching um, structure. So engaging, exploring the topic, envisioning like, oh, what would my body image be like if, if I were to like, I don't know, change on the beach, let's say, or, you know, that's a great exposure though. Yeah. Yeah. Great yeah, exposure. yeah. Yeah. And then experiment with that, you know, so mm -hmm. maybe I, I don't know, maybe I just like, yeah, do, do something around that. Maybe I try a new food this week. Maybe I engage with this cultural different type of cultural food this week or tradition, you know, and then evolve, like what, how did that go for me, you know, and then building your muscle from there. So that's, my groups have been kind of formal in that way. But then in between that, of course, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about the topic, we're having discussion, we're sh sharing commonalities and sharing differences of experience. Um, but it also moors us to each other. And I think with the abroad experiences I have felt in the own, my own expat experience, just sometimes being unmoored, like not having an anchor, right. the group provides that. And a lot of clinicians, like I experienced at BC, I couldn't see the client when they went abroad. Mm -hmm. you know, we have to let them go for that period of time. And then what are they left with? But you know, that's do, what, that's what, right, that's what the so whole I'm trying to fill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. 
So that because was you're such of- a great communicator too. If if the client in your group has, if you have released them, like this, this is just yeah. very yeah. helpful for their own continuity and going back and forth, yeah. I think too. So the group is eight weeks. Yeah, so it's eight weeks and it will start again in the fall, probably in October. I don't have a specific date yet, but I like to get the word out in August and then mm-hmm. kind of build the group. And I will also add that I'm doing group this summer that has some clients from that group and also some other clients. And they're all from different countries, including the U.S. So I think, again, like gaining that perspective and hearing about each other's stories will be helpful. That has two spots left and that's six weeks and starts next Thursday. The 29th. Yeah, this is important because this is, you know, it, we're, we're a week prior to your your summer group starting. So next week on the 29th, two spots left. How can people find you? If you can say that out loud, because the podcast has a lot of European reach. So I want to make sure that, and really, do they have to be in Europe to be in your group? No, no, no. Like I said, there's US clients in my group this summer, um, in the group, not my group, (laughs) but my email, they can email me. They can go to my website and contact me. And my website is Kate sweeneynutrition.com um, and there's a group tab so Great. folks can read about the groups there's three on there right now the summer group the fall uh, food and support recovery group while abroad and then there's also a group that uh, Diana Reed who's in Luxembourg and that's a wonderful dietitian the global dietitian uh, her and I are running a group for teens Fantastic. in Europe yeah we're struggling with eating disorders in the fall and we to our knowledge it's the first outpatient group um, here. So we're really trying to get that up and running as well. So people can read about those three groups on my website. And again, my contact form is there, my email, they can contact me. Where the podcast lives, we'll make sure that when we broadcast this um, on social media as well, that the links are there so people can click on them. So who would be your ideal client? You have two spots to fill. Oh, yeah. You to fill them, right? The who do, who okay. do you want for your summer group? <laughs> yes, I should have been a bit more specific. No, um, you're great. It's for anyone, any any gender welcome um, between the ages of 18 and 24 who are in the U.S. or in, or in Europe or the, you know, similar time zone um, and, and um, working on recovery actively in a pretty good place, medically stable, psychologically in a good, stable place nutritionally, you know, also kind of stable, but certainly can have work to do. And um, just looking for that support of other people and to continue their healing process. Um, The topics in the group are on my website that we're going to be talking about. It's partly formal, like the first 20 minutes, we'll talk about a topic, delve into it, people get resources and take away work if they want to do it. And then we'll be kind of doing some processing around food, eating, body image and movement. Um, so what's coming up for the group members? Because the mm-hmm. summer is also just a hard time for people. And a lot of times we don't have the support in the summer that we may right. need. Um, well, exactly. Another big point in college health, right? Because then we have to let go of our people and they have to let go of us and they travel home and then, exactly. you know, setting up, setting up all our, all those yeah. resources again. I think yeah. it would be really interesting after your summer group and after your fall group where you then run three to have you back on to talk about how you've measured the outcomes and what mm-hmm. you've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because the podcast is not just for people who 
are struggling themselves or family members. It's also for clinicians, for entrepreneurs. And so that breadth of knowledge that you have is really, is a very rich piece that I'd like to bring to this. So mm-hmm. Kate, thank you so much for being on today. This required us to coordinate time zones, which is <laughs> which is fun. It's your afternoon, it's my morning, but I'm really glad to see you too. It's, it's been quite a pleasure. Yeah, so I think in in the fall, winter, we can come back and talk about measured outcomes. I think measured outcomes in groups would be a great next topic. So yeah, sounds wonderful. Thank you for joining us for the NPRD podcast with Robin Kivit. We invite you to subscribe, download, rate and review us and share this valuable podcast with friends and family. Help and hope is found here. For more, just go to robinkivit.com. That's R-O-B-Y-N K-I-E-V-I-T dot com or check out the NPRD dot com. <laughs>